What does that have to do with anything? Yeah. All the cowboys in the audience went crazy. Uh, I, I love that because it just reminds me where we are in the story. That's probably how Moses felt leading the children of Israel through the wilderness, right? Uh, I just love that, so I had to show that, that to you. We are, we are, are, are meandering our way through the story, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that you're reading the story, and uh, you're go, as we're going through the, the major stories of the Bible, we're putting all the pieces together uh, as we go through the Old Testament and how that relates to Christ and taking all those pieces of the puzzle and hopefully putting them together. And, and um, I'm, uh, thank you for all your feedback. Uh, a lot of you are, are uh, encouraging me that you're reading uh, the story and that uh, the Old Testament is coming alive to you and it's helping you to kind of put the pieces together. And we're going chronologically through the Old Testament. And uh, right now uh, we're going to be looking at, at Moses and how he brought the Israelites through the desert and how Moses handed his leadership over to Joshua and brought them into the promised land. And that's what we're going to really dial into today. But so far, um, we've, we've looked at many great stories of the Bible that, that have got us here today. And we've looked at the creation story, how God created man, how man rebelled against God, how sin came into the world. We looked at how God sent a flood as judgment and saved Noah and his family through the ark. We see how God called Abraham to leave his homeland and, and to fulfill the call of God that God would, through him, make a great nation. And through Abraham and Sarah, the promised child Isaac would be born. And through Isaac, uh, we would see uh, Jacob and Esau. And Jacob would have 12 sons. And from those sons would come the tribes of, of Israel. And one of Jacob's sons, Joseph, who was sold into slavery from his uh, brothers, would be eventually brought to Egypt. And through there, Joseph would raise up in power. And and then eventually, uh, uh, the Israelites would find themselves in Egypt as they began to grow and they began to multiply. The Pharaoh became very jealous and and very concerned that they would rise up against him. And so for over 400 years, Israel would find themselves slaves in Israel. And then God rose up Moses to deliver Israel out of uh, bondage in, in Egypt and eventually lead them into the desert for 40 years under the leadership of Moses. And it was through this experience that God taught them how to trust him for everything, from the food that they would eat to the water that they would drink, because in that desert experience, it was the desert. There was nothing there to sustain life for them. God had to do it for them. God needed to prepare them for the battle that would await them in the promised land. And it took 40 years for the Israelites to figure this out because they were pretty stubborn. But God's plan would not be thwarted. Each event showed God's saving power and that we see deliverance can only come through God. And it was through their desert experience that we symbolically see many pictures of Jesus Christ. The water that came out of the rock uh, that, 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 that God told Moses uh, uh, to do and to bring water to, to give thirst, to quench the thirst of the Israelites. Uh, this would be symbolic of Jesus being that living water that whoever comes to Jesus would never thirst again. God would feed Israel with manna from heaven, which manna basically means what is it? And that's how, he's, that's how they sustained their life within the desert is this, this manna, this type of bread. It was the miracle bread that, that kept them alive. And Jesus calls himself the bread of life. Whoever comes to Jesus will never go hungry. 
The Passover lamb that was celebrated in the wilderness was God's deliverance from Egypt, symbolically leading them out under the covering of that blood over their doorposts. And they celebrated that of God delivering them in the wilderness. Jesus ultimately becomes our Passover lamb who would deliver us from the slavery of sin. All these significant events would ultimately be fulfilled in Christ Jesus. I am so excited about this chapter. This chapter is amazing. I love how God leads the children of Israel through this wilderness experience for 40 years. And then what happens is God, uh, through the leadership of Moses, hands this leadership trust off to Joshua. And Joshua is the one who who is going to take the children of Israel and now possess the promised land, Canaan, that was promised uh, so many years before to Abraham. And this is where everything comes to fruition. This is what they've been uh, hearing about. This is each step God leads them. And now they're actually going to possess this land that God desires them to be a part of. And guess what? Today, Israel is still there. Boy, that shit got a bigger amen out there. Israel is still there. God is not finished with his plan yet. He is still working it out. So right before our very eyes, right here today, we're seeing God working out his plan right before our very eyes. These are exciting times to live in. Now, we may look around and say, wow, but pastor, there's, there's, there's so many things going on i'm you know you know we've got so many things in the news now and all the stuff that's going on these are all signs of the end of times that the bible speaks about and we're living right in them and for a believer that that believes in christ jesus and understands that the word of god is the word of god we have nothing to fear and this is, this is why I believe this story connects with, with our story today or what we're living in today is because every single one of us can walk with fear and trepidation if we're not careful. But if we trust God, we know that he will complete his plan and we have nothing to worry about when our peace is in Christ Jesus that we see God working out his plan right before our very eyes. So this is what I want us to do today. I want to dial in. I want to jump in to the story of of the Israelites moving into the promised land. So I want to read Joshua chapter 1, and and I want you to see God fulfilling his plan as he's taking Israel out of the wilderness and now into uh, this Canaan experience and what they had to endure. Now, this was not going to be easy. God, God needed to prepare their hearts in the wilderness to get them ready to take this promised land that he has promised for them. And so let's read Joshua chapter 1. I want to look at uh, verses 1 through 9. And here's where Joshua is installed as the leader. The, the word of God says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses is aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land that I'm about to give to you, to the Israelites. This is the land that God promised them. I will give you every place where you where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon, from the great river Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. What a promise. 
And that promise is still fulfilled today through his son, Jesus. Be strong and courageous because you, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful. Be careful to obey, obey the, all the law of my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right nor the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. I have not commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And everybody said, amen. amen. I, I, want you to, I want you to notice the words of God. He says, do not walk in fear. And, and, and what can cause fear? Well, one thing that can cause fear is change. For the Israelites, everything is about to change. They're moving from the desert to Canaan, this, this, this promised land. And there is the enemy that is in Canaan. This isn't wide open for them just to have a cakewalk to walk right in. There actually is the enemy that is there. And change uh, may not cause paralyzing fear, but it's the fear of the unknown. What will happen? How will this work out? Maybe for us here today, it's the change of life. Maybe it's becoming a new parent for the first time. Or maybe it's parents who are empty nesters. Maybe it's retirement. Um, these are different fears. Fears of the unknown. How am I going to handle this? How is this change going to affect my life? Change of a new job. Change of employment. And, and, and I believe one of the most difficult fears is, is, is the difficult fear that we have when we have challenges and trials that are, that are presented before us. And I want you to take notice in what the Lord is commanding them to do. He's saying, listen, I'm not going to say it's not going to be easy. I'm not saying that there's not going to be a, the, the enemy in the land. But what God is saying to them, you need to trust me. You cannot follow me with your flesh or with the physical eyes. You've got to realize that I'm working even when you don't see it. Even, even when you don't feel it, you have to realize that I'm working and you're going to have to trust me even when it makes no sense. You are going to have to trust me. And so they're, 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 as they come into the promised land, they're going, about to, they're going to encounter this first test of trust. And so Israel faces both the fear of the unknown and, and, and the fear of trials and challenges before them. And here was their first challenge. Their first challenge is that they would have to cross the Jordan River in order to get into the promised land. Now, if you've ever traveled to Israel or seen the Jordan River, it's not really a, a huge river. It wouldn't be like crossing uh, the Genesee River at some time of the season. See, they'll have to cross the Jordan River, not at dry season, but at, at flood season, normally at Gilgal, where they crossed, it's about 100 feet wide and maybe 8 feet deep. Not too bad of a struggle. But at flood stage, it could be as much as 600 feet wide and 75 feet deep. How many of you have ever felt this way? There's always something else that's happening in my life. 
Lord, why are, you, why are you picking this time to do this now? Why can't you make it easier? Why didn't God have the Israelites cross the Jordan when it was dry season? Why did he pick the flood season to do it? Have we ever felt this way? I wish my life would be easier. Uh, when one thing gets worked out, I feel like another thing pops up in my life. It's like that whack-a-mole game at the carnival, right? You whack one mole, then another one pops up, you whack that one. Um, God, why couldn't you just make it easier for my life? And the Bible tells us that they had to step into the river before it stopped flowing. They had to take this huge step of faith to take that first step into the river. And then what it says is the river was backed up and they were able to walk through dry ground to get into Canaan. So that was their first challenge is to trust God and to believe that he is going to stop the river from flowing. And so what is what was God trying to teach them? What is God trying to teach us today? It's all about faith. God, do I really trust you? This is going to build their faith as they begin to go into the promised land. Listen, listen, listen. All these situations in your life, you can look at them one of two ways. You can look at them as irritations, right? Like the bad drivers out on the road, right? You could look at them as irritations, or you could look at them as patient builders. Can I get an amen? And and I know me, I'm first to jump all over the irritation, right? I got to get to this place. Why is it? But if I look at it, As God, you're trying to teach me patience, then those are the building blocks for my character in Jesus Christ that God is doing a deeper work in my life. Yes, God could have had him cross at at, at the dry season, but God is trying to build their faith because God knows the deeper their faith is, the more they're going to trust him later on down the road. You see, if I struggle... In my life right now, and I look at everything as an irritation, and everything's coming against me, and God, what are you doing? God's saying, if you would just allow yourself to put yourself on the potter's wheel, and allow me to mold you, and allow me to do a deeper thing, and to work my will into your life, down the road, you're going to be able to see that I'm working all these things for your good. But it's hard for me to see that when I'm going through the trial right now. It's hard to see that because I always want to look through the eyes of the flesh. Because Bar Jerace wants to figure it out the way Bar Jerace wants to figure it out, not necessarily the way God wants to figure it out for Bar Jerace. And that's where faith comes in. So not only do they, they have this huge challenge of going through the Jordan River at floodshed, but net, the next challenge was Jericho. The city of Jericho. This was challenge number two. Jericho was a massively walled city. Looking at it with physical eyes, it would seem absolutely impossible. They would have to trust God for the victory. You would think maybe God would start off with something easy for them to build a little bit of confidence in their life, right? No, he, he, he starts them right off with a heavily fortified city. And they just don't, they, they don't have any manpower physically to overcome the city. There's no way they, they would be defeated. So looking in the physical eye, there is no way. They had to trust God for this victory. So what God does is he gives them this battle plan of how to 
defeat and, 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 and have victory against Jericho in this massively huge fortified city of Jericho. So God gives us this battle plan. Now, what do you think his battle plan would be? How would they win? And so God gives them a battle plan. Do you think God is going to um, win this battle with their might and their sword? Or do you think God is going to win this battle through the trumpet? And this is what's interesting, because I want to give you a physical, uh, a physical uh, visual illustration of this. So I'm right back here. I haven't gone anywhere. All right. So this is what I wanted to give you a picture of. This is a shofar. This is actually a ram's horn that they actually blew while they were marching around Jericho. And here is a sword. This is a sword. This is the same sword they use like in Braveheart. This thing is sharp, actually. And Jim Bacardo let me borrow it. And he said, Pastor, be careful with this thing. I can't imagine going to war and swinging this thing for 45 minutes. I'd be like, I just give up. I can't swing this thing anymore. It weighs like 10 pounds. And so here God tells them, are you going to go into war with this thing? I mean, how many of you think with the physical, this or this? I've got to be careful. I don't hurt anybody here, okay? I want to go in with this thing. You know, I, I want to be William Wallace, right? I want to be the guy in the front, right? Look, I mean, this just looks cool, doesn't it? I just feel cool. Mess with me right now. I dare you. All right? I, I mean, this thing is amazing. I better put it in the sheet before I hurt myself. Okay, so this is amazing. But God tells him, no, you're not going to win it this way. You're going to win the battle this way. Really? This thing? The ramp? We got to blow this thing? They're going to laugh at us. They're going to stand on the wall and they're going to say, oh, okay, you can sing your little praise songs all day long, but nah, 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 nah. You're not going to defeat us. And so God says, you're not going to win it this way. You're going to win it this way. Let's read what the word of God says. This is cool. Joshua 6, verses 1 through 5. It says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. And then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Wait a minute. We haven't even started fighting. God says, I've already won the battle. See, that's the hard part for us to realize. Do you realize that God has already won the battle? The battle has already been won. The problem is, am I going to enter into that and trust God and believe that he's going to fulfill that in my life? Along with its king and fighting men, he says this, march around the city once with all the armed men, do this for six days, and have the seven priests carry the trumpets of ram horns in front of the ark, which represented God's presence where the commandments of God were. And then he said, on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priest blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast of the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. 
Now, hold on to this for just a moment because at the end of my message, I'm going to tie this whole thing on why this victory was so easy for them. Because God was already working behind the scenes when Israel didn't even know it. They didn't know that God was working behind the walls of Jericho to bring fear into the hearts of those that live there. And we're going to tie this whole thing together at the end. Now, we think for ourselves, well, pastor, this doesn't even make sense. But God did this so that he would receive the glory. God wanted them to obey him. And here's what I want you to catch by God doing it this way. The ark and the horns all represented the presence of God, not the presence of man. God wanted both the Israelites and Jericho to understand that this battle was won by the Lord thy God of Israel. No one else could receive the victory here. No one else could say, oh, well, this was man's efforts. Because no matter how big the enemy builds his walls to God, he can defeat it and destroy it in a moment. No matter how big you think your walls are, no matter how many bad decisions that you've made in your life, no matter how that obstacle before you, like, well, pastor, there's addictions in my life. There are things that I've built up that the enemy has built around my life. And I feel like I live in this caged wall that I cannot get out of. For God, it's simple. He can destroy those walls in your life if you put your faith in him. I don't care how big the walls are. I don't, care. I don't care how devastating your life was before. I don't care how many bad decisions that you have made. I don't care how locked up you think you are in the bad choices that you've made. God can destroy them in an instant when you put your faith and your hope in him. Nothing is impossible for God. Amen. Nothing. Nothing is impossible for him. So here's what happens. It would be God who would, do, who would have the victory, not, not man. And, and to reiterate this point, I, I, I want to go full circle to when they first were going into the promised land and what God did for Israel and what God prepared for Israel, they didn't even know at the time. And so what happens is, let me go back to Joshua chapter 2, because what God does here is he sends out two spies to spy out the promised land to spy out Jericho. And so they go into the city. They see this big wall that is set up. And you're like, well, why would God, um, why would God send these two spies into Jericho if God already knew that he was going to just completely obliterate Jericho? Why would he send people and risk their lives in going into Jericho to spy out uh, the city? Well, God had a plan. Here's how amazing God is. Here's how amazing God's grace is. Because there's a woman there named Rahab, who is a prostitute, who probably no one cared about. And God says, I know that there's a woman there. And I know that there's a woman there that has feared me because she's heard of me and she's heard of the Israelites. And I want you to go in and I want you to save her. Because out of, Ab- out of, out of Rahab will come my son, Jesus. This is amazing to me. This is amazing about God's grace. Because so many times we think that, that my story, 
that the messed up parts of my life can never be used by God. That's a lie from the, straight from the pit of hell. Because God can use the dysfunctional, messed up things in our lives for his glory. And so God sends these two spies in. And, and when they come in, they're, they're, they're met by this woman named Rahab. And there's a woman, she's caught in prostitution. And, and what she does is she hides them in her roof from, from, from being killed. L- listen to the story here. And I want you to hear the faith of Rahab. This is amazing. Joshua 2, and let's start with verse 8. It says, before the spies lay down for the night, she went up to the roof and said to them, this is what she said. Here's how God was working behind the scenes before they ever marched around the walls. She says, I know the Lord has given you this land and that great fear has fallen on us. Wait a minute, you're, you're the ones behind this great wall. Why are you fearful? But they were fearful of God. So that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. For when you came out of Egypt... And what you did in Shihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed, when we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. Listen to what she says here. This is why God saved her. For the Lord your God, for the Lord your God is God in heaven, above and on the earth below. She put her faith in the God of Israel. She says, now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brother and my sisters, and all who belong to them, that you will save us from death. Here we see God's amazing grace. And so what happens? A couple verses later, in verse 15, she's, so what she did was she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. And, and, and for sure, that was going to be destroyed. She said, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourself there three days until they return and then go on your way. And now the men said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brother and all your family into the house. What's amazing about this story? Rahab, a prostitute, bad reputation. Here she puts her faith in God and she is saved, but not only her, but her family. God's grace restored her and rescued her because of her faith in God. Rahab's life changed. Here's what happens to Rahab. She marries and ends up being the great, great grandmother of King David. Of King David, which is in the line of King Jesus, our ultimate King and Savior and Messiah. Rahab is one of the four women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus in the first chapter of Matthew. God saw her life from beyond the Jordan and her fear and her faith in God. 
And what saved her and the men was this scarlet cord. I love what Matthew Henry's commentary says here. He says, The scarlet cord, like the blood upon the doorpost at Passover, recalls to remembrance the sinner's security under the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. And that we are to flee thereto for refuge from wrath of a justly offended God. The same cord of Rahab used for while saving the Israelites was used for her own safety. What we serve and honor God with, we may expect he will bless and make useful to us. You see, this story gives every single one of us hope here. Because for Rahab, she was forgiven, she was covered, and her family was covered because when the men saw this scarlet cord, for some odd reason, that part of the wall was saved. That's God's protection for every single one of us here who comes under the protection of Jesus Christ and his atoning blood. We are now secure. We are protected from the wrath of God. And when we come under that protection, under the blood of Christ, there is nothing the enemy can do in your life. You are secure. So here's what we have to realize in our life. God, am I under this protection of you? You see, how does this small story fit into the larger story? Well, this larger story is Christ is ultimately our deliverer. And when we enter into that faith relationship with Jesus Christ, we are protected from the wrath of God and anything that the enemy can do to us. And so what God would say to you today, whatever challenge you're faced with today, whatever you're, you, whatever you're fearful of today, God would say, what are you bringing are you bringing this? Are you bringing your flesh? Are, are you trying to figure out by your own means, God, how are you going to do this? And so that we scheme and we worry and we fret and we look at the world around us and we worry and we fret. What's going to happen? How's this all going to work out? And my own situation, God, how is this all going to work out? And we bring the flesh of the sword and God says, that's the wrong equipment. He says, what I want you to bring to your trial and your fears is I want you to bring this. I want you to bring my presence. Because when I show up, everything changes. See, when I become, when I, when I allow myself to be in the midst of your problems and your trials, the enemy flees. There's no wall that's so large that can keep me from entering into your situation. And so you may say, well, pastor, how do I allow God's presence to come into my life, into my situation? Well, here's how you allow that to happen. When you pray and you say, God, I don't know what to do and I need you. He comes. He comes. He says, cast all your cares at my feet. Because I care for you. He that hides in the shadow of the Almighty is going to find protection. He goes, you've got to come to me. And, and here's what I love. When you, coming to church is 
allowing God to come into your life. Because when you sing songs and you sit under God's word, you're saying, God, I'm allowing you into my life. I want you to come into this trial, into this, in, 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 into this fear and insecurity that I have because I want you to come in because I need to hear you. I need to have your wisdom. Because confusion can come into our life where we just get worried and confused and we never hand that thing over to God in prayer. How many of you ever at one time or another, you're just reading God's word and God specifically speaks to your heart and your situation and gives you peace that you weren't gaining through this thing, right? And all of a sudden you're like, I've got a peace. I've got a peace. Why? Because I'm giving it to the Lord in prayer. I'm reading his word and that's what God desires. He's saying, lay the sword down, lay your flesh down and come to me. There's a situation this week that, you know, my son Colby's in his senior year. He's making decisions about what he wants to do for college. And it's just, there's a lot of decisions we have to make. And, you know, we're talking about, we're looking at everything. And then I finally, I finally went up into Colby's room. And I said, Colby, let's just pray about this. Because we've been talking, talking, talking. And, and I don't know the, 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 the degree he wants to get, I know nothing about. I know nothing about. I go, Colby, that's great. You're eight times smarter than I ever was in, in school. And I'm, I'm proud of you. But let's pray. Let's ask God to give us wisdom here. And so Colby and I, we prayed together and just asked that God would give us wisdom and understanding on what he would want him to do. How many of you just like me? You just wait till you get to the point where you're frazzled until you're like, oh yeah, have I prayed about this, right? I can remember when Lily was a little girl and Wesley or somebody cut themselves. It was an it was a ongoing issue in our house. Somebody was always injured, right? And I remember we're all like, oh, we'll get the bandits, get this. And Lily goes, she was young. She goes, daddy, shouldn't we first pray about it? I'm like, no, we need to get the band-aids, all right? Stop making me look bad, okay? Right? And I know for me, I want to run to the sword. I want to run here before I want to run here. Let's run here first. And let God grab your heart and give you a peace and give you wisdom to know that the battle has already been won. It's already been won. So Lord, we bow our hearts before you. Lord, I pray today for everyone that's just going through a difficult situation in their lives. Lord, as, as we finish this service, as we enter into a time of just worship here, as we sing about your blood and about what you did for us upon that cross and how you delivered us from the bonds of sin, I pray, Lord, that we would come under the covering of your atoning blood today that you would protect us and that you would give us a peace that the battle has already been won. But Lord, we would invite your presence into our situation today. That you would lead us and guide us, not by the sword, not by our flesh, but Lord, you'd guide us by your presence as we pray and as we read your word and as we grab your will and your mind for our situation. Let us realize, Lord, that even in the midst of trials, in difficult situations, you're working, you're good. 
You're developing our perseverance. You're causing us to be stronger in you. That is your desire for us, that you would build our character in you, Lord. So God, that's what we're asking for you in every situation here. So as we sing about your blood today, I pray that we would come under its covering today as we submit our lives to you today. I pray for every parent here today that's praying for their children, God. Maybe their children are away from you. I pray, God, that they would come under the covering of your blood, God. They would come under that atoning power of your forgiveness, God. So we give them to you now, Lord, that they would come under that protection and that covering that you desire to bring today. So we give you our lives and we thank you, Jesus, for being ultimately that scarlet thread. We love you today and we give you our lives in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand today and let's just sing this to the Lord today. Allow him to minister to you. God bless you.